Cell is the leading distributor of radiotherapy patient positioning equipment and physics QA products for the UK and Ireland, supplying both the NHS and private sectors. We currently have a busy event schedule and will be attending many conferences in the next few months and many of the regional study days. For a full list of where to meet us, please do get in touch. As well as our event schedule, we also have a busy product portfolio that has recently been updated to. This includes Sky Factory for state-of-the-art visual LED lighting. We have MyQA Ion and Ion RT from IBA for automated patient-specific QA for photon, electron and proton radiotherapy. And we also have MR Box from our AI suppliers at Therapanacea, allowing AI-powered MR-only workflows for a more consistent and high-quality planning pathway. For SGRT, we have a vast range of open-faced thermoplastic masks, as well as surface-guided compatible clear bolus from ClearSight, preventing any risk of interference between the skin surface and your SGRT solution. And as always, do not hesitate to get in touch to discuss your product and service requirements with our friendly and knowledgeable team. Our account and clinical specialists are from a radiotherapy and physics background, and we are more than happy to chat about the clinical benefits and the workflow of all of our products. Hi everyone, before we get going with this podcast, we'd really like to highlight that the Radiotherapy UK Charities Annual Flash Workforce Survey is now open. The survey runs from the 29th of August to the 12th of September, so make sure you get your response in before it closes. Find the survey at www.radiotherapy.org.uk or type Radiotherapy UK into your socials. This is your opportunity as a member of the Radiotherapy Workforce to share your experiences of what is happening on the ground. Last year, over 10% of the entire radiotherapy workforce from all disciplines responded and the key findings received national coverage from BBC Newsnight, national papers and Parliament. A few of the key findings from last year included 84% of respondents said they do not have the workforce in place to meet current patient need. 8 in 10 respondents felt that the current environment had caused them or a colleague to consider leaving the profession. Over a third said they didn't have the appropriate IT or technology infrastructure to support the delivery of most up-to-date techniques so please take part have your say have your voice heard go to www.radiotherapy.org.uk to find the survey it only takes a few minutes and it will help raise awareness of the crucial need to invest in and improve radiotherapy services in the uk hello everyone and welcome to rad chat the multi-award-winning first therapeutic radiographer-led oncology podcast Welcome to podcast number 105. My name is Naman Jorka Anderson and I'm joined by fellow host Joe McNamara. Hi everyone. So a big thank you to our last guest, Helena Starr, who discussed her role as a consultant, diagnostic radiographer in MRI. If you haven't had a chance yet, please do go take a listen. So we thought we'd cover some com- common terminology we hear within radiotherapy to hopefully educate and myth bust. So yeah, so Joe, we obviously get a lot of engagement from patients and having worked clinically and with students, what are some of the things that people going for radiotherapy might hear or, you know, is at points in their cancer pathway as well? I think one of the things to stipulate first is that there is a lot of terminology and working within radiotherapy, it's very easy for us to forget that this terminology isn't widely used in the public arena. Um, I often hear people refer to radiotherapy as radio um, and sometimes that even in itself can be confusing because you'll hear patients going oh I'm going for radio when people are like you're doing what 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 are you having with radio um so terminologies can can actually create issues I think for people who are 
coming in to have radiation treatments or radiotherapy. So I think that's why this episode will be hugely helpful for anyone going for radiotherapy to maybe understand some of the terminologies, but also for students or other healthcare professionals that come across patients or indeed patients notes. And again, with all healthcare professionals, we always write in shorthand, we always use abbreviations, um, and actually, hopefully this podcast episode might help. Um, So I was thinking of some of the terminologies that I've heard that I thought actually that might help to explain, um, and adjuvant therapy was one of them. So adjuvant therapy is typically when you have a treatment given it in addition to your primary treatment. So a lot of cancer patients will have surgery and then they will have maybe say chemotherapy and then potentially radiotherapy as well. Um, But when you're doing treatments um, together, then essentially that can mean that you're having those adjuvant therapies to help with prognosis and manage your cancer. Um, So that could be something like chemo radiation where you're having chemotherapy and radiotherapy. Um, So that's adjuvant radiotherapy. Um, We sometimes get patients talking about a radiotherapy boost. So essentially that's where we deliver a dose of radiotherapy treatment to a very specific targeted area um, in addition to maybe the larger area that we originally started giving radiation dose to. Um, And that's primarily to help with tumour control. So typically we would do a boost to say a um, breast bed so essentially that's where you have a surgery to remove a breast tumour you then might have an entire breast radiotherapy treatment plan and then we would do a boost just to where the tumour kind of sat Um, and that just means that that area that we know had contact with those cancer cells receives a bigger dose. Um, Another terminology I think one thing to say quickly about the breast boost is sometimes we attach this great big microscope looking thing on the end of the machine, do. don't we? That scares people a bit. Yeah, so we can do um, do electrons. Um, so again, a lot of the radiotherapy that we deliver, typically deliver would be using photons and then electrons are potentially something that we can use to treat more superficially and by that I mean nearer to the skin surface so if we had say a little scar then you might want to deliver electrons specifically to that scar to ensure that you're um, giving the dose higher to that point and then essentially that will mean that you know if there's any cells that are left in the scar from when the surgeon removed the tumour then hopefully they'll be mopped up by that electron treatment. So obviously we treat lots of different types of tumours and treatment areas. What does fractionation mean? So fractionation, also written as a hashtag, um, which throws people off, but fractionation essentially serves to decrease acute and especially late toxicity to surrounding normal tissues that's exposed to radiotherapy. So commonly a fraction of radiotherapy, so a part of radiotherapy, is about 1.8 to 2 gray that we deliver. Um, and that can be per day over a number of weeks, depending on the actual prescription of the radiotherapy. Um, and the fractionation is designed to lessen those late effects um, and the side effects of treatment. If we were to deliver a high dose all in one go, 
we would irreversibly damage all of the normal healthy cells. And that's obviously not what we want to do. What we want to do is irreversibly damage the cancer cells um, and then allow time and the ability for our normal healthy cells to repair themselves. And if we don't use fractionation, then that's potentially what can happen. So we do have to be really careful with the doses that we deliver and the fractionation allows us to do that by giving the radiotherapy little and often. So in addition to fractionation, we should also talk about the dose. So the dose that we measure the radiation in is known as gray. Um, and it's basically the units that we utilize um, when we're delivering radiotherapy. So sometimes you may hear us talking about the dose is so-and-so gray in so-and-so fractions. Um, and that's essentially your prescription for radiotherapy. Um, sometimes we also talk about the biological effective dose as well. So essentially that means that we're allowed to ensure that the dose that we're giving is in a fractionated manner um, to damage the cancer cells and do what we need it to do, but without damaging our normal healthy cells. Um, so with advances in radiotherapy technologies and delivering higher doses of radiotherapy per fraction, um, sometimes within actually a shorter time frame, we can do that in a safe way. Um, and then sometimes the biologically effective dose can actually be um, achieved with larger fractionation doses um, compared to our conventional radiotherapy fractionation regimes um, and things are advancing so technologies and softwares as they change and we're able to limit the amount of normal tissue that we're treating actually effectively what we can do is something called dose escalation and sometimes we can increase the dose then um, compared to what we used to do um, because we're treating less normal healthy cells. So for any patients listening if they might only I mean, if I was a patient, I had that I might just focus on more dose coming in rather than anything else. So you touched on quite a crucial aspect that we're treating less tissue. How do we do that? OK, so um, essentially we might use some of our technology or our software to deliver smaller areas. So we focus all the time on where the cancer was, if you've had surgery, chemotherapy previously, or potentially where it is um, if we haven't yet used any other treatments and we can we can actually manipulate the radiation beams by using the technology um, multi-leaf collimators uh, which we'll discuss later but essentially that's the way we can shape the radiation beams that we're using and what we will typically then do is limit the amount of normal healthy cells we also have other techniques as well um, using the technology and software which again we will go through but they're classed as VMAT, IMRT. They're kind of the techniques of radiotherapy that we use to limit that dose to our normal tissues. So there's also different bits of terminology like hyperfractionated, hyperfractionated, VMAT, IMRT, IGRT. What do all these mean? So. And why do we have so many acronyms <laughs> in radiotherapy? I know, <laughs> it is ridiculous, but I think it's just because things are so long um, to say, so we always shorten it. Um, but th let's start and we'll go, we'll go through them. I think that might help. So VMAP, Volumetric Modulated Arc Therapy, is essentially an advanced radiotherapy technique. Um, and it uses arcs of radiation rather than individual beams 
um, used in other types of radiotherapy. So as a machine, the linear accelerator that generates the radiotherapy, the, the x-rays that we're using, as it moves around, essentially what it's also going to be doing at the same time is changing the beam shape and also the dose. And this makes the treatment much more targeted and accurate than a single beam of radiotherapy. So when I first qualified, and don't comment on my age, Numan, but when I first qualified, we would treat tumours in squares. So irrespective of the shape of the tumour, we would just deliver radiotherapy to square box shapes. You know, that was typically what we could do. We can do so, we could do some manipulation, but nowhere near what we do now. Um, and so the technology has advanced to allow us to be able to do a technique called BMAP. There's also then um, intensity modulated radiotherapy, and that's also referred to as a type of conformal radiotherapy. And it basically means that the radiation beams are shaped to surround the treatment area and again avoiding any of that normal healthy tissue um, and then before IMRT and VMAP treatment essentially what we do is use the CT data and the scanning technology to create a 3D image of the tumour because again everything that we see isn't in 2D that tumour will be moving as you breathe as your bowels fill with gas, as your bladder fills, you know, there's so many things that are happening inside our body as we're delivering the radiation treatment that actually it does mean that potentially things are moving inside. So we need to have that 3D image to be able to kind of plan our radiotherapy. Um, and, you know, we want to know the size, shape and the location of where that tumour is or where the cells were. Um, so that we can ensure that we're targeting that area as precisely as we possibly can do. And then what we do is we shape the radiation beam and alter its intensity. So that's where the intensity modulated bit of the name comes from um, to target the tumour as the machine actually rotates around. Um, and, you know, all of this requires a lot of really careful treatment planning using the scan images. So that's when you go for your pre-treatment CT scan. We're using all of that data and then lots of computer aided calculations to actually identify the exact dose of radiation needed. So once we've um, formulated the radiotherapy treatment plan, which might be undertaken by the planning team, which could be dosimetrists, physicists, therapeutic radiographers, um, planning technicians essentially within the department what we then do is send that plan to the consultant therapeutic radiographer or the consultant oncologist and they would review that radiotherapy treatment plan to see whether or not they're actually happy with the dose that the um, tumour is receiving or where the tumour was and also the dose to any normal healthy tissues to make sure that we're not going to do irreversible damage um, and, and essentially, that's why we're developing these radiotherapy techniques to, to make sure that we're doing that as safely as we possibly can do. What's IGRT? So IGRT is image-guided radiotherapy. And as the name suggests, it means that we use images to determine where a tumour is or where it was, where we're actually targeting the radiation. And again... The imaging itself can be in lots of variations depending on the technology. Unfortunately, you know, not every radiotherapy department has exactly the same equipment, exactly the same software. Um, and I say that 
unfortunately because actually some people will have more superior imaging over other departments which means there is inequity in maybe some of the radiotherapy techniques that you observe around the country um but but it does vary so some imaging could be ultrasound so a patient might have some um image where they're using ultrasound to determine where the prostate gland is um where the bladder is how full it is um to then position their radiotherapy you may also have um cone beam ct where essentially you're using a version of ct to see every single day where you're actually targeting the treatment so all these variations in imaging are essentially doing the same um thing where we are targeting the area we want to and trying to minimize as much as we possibly can do any normal healthy cells and unfortunately it'd be great to say that all therapeutic radiographers had x-ray vision to have a look inside the body and go yeah i can see where we're going today but unfortunately we can't we have to rely on this really fancy imaging um and the better the imaging the better that we're able to actually ensure that we're in the right place that we're treating accurately and potentially also minimizing our margins so you know we are so accurate in radiotherapy we're all when when we're setting you up and you're like oh they've been moving me for ages why do they keep moving me why are they prodding me it is because we are moving our patients millimeters um and you know to be that precise we have to be because we know that if we're outside of our margins your normal healthy tissues are receiving more dose than they should so that's why we're being so pernickety when we're we're moving our patients and manipulating them and also when we're taking images and if those images aren't clear or they're not good enough quality we may redo them or we may make changes and i fully appreciate from a patient's perspective you must be lying there going oh god i just hope they hurry up and get this over with but we're doing this to ensure the accuracy um, and reproducibility of what it is that we're delivering every single day. And linked to imaging as well, someone messaged in asking what an MR Linac is. Oh, the good old MR Linac. So I apps, I love MR um, images. So definitely go and check out our <laughs> our MR um, episode because that was really interesting and I learned lots from that. But um, MRI is amazing piece of technology that essentially allows us to see inside the body and look at soft tissue much more than a ct scan would allow us to do so the mr linac is essentially the magnetic resonance linear accelerator um, where you have two technologies so you have an mri scanner and also the linear accelerator and the aim of it is to precisely locate where the tumors are tailor the shape of those x-ray beams but in real time and then deliver the doses of radiation to tumors that potentially might be moving um, it can also be really effective for cancers that maybe change position or respond really well or not so well to radiotherapy so that you can change maybe some of those margins um, on a daily basis so things like breathing bladder emptying filling bowel changes um, you know, thinking about treating a lung tumour, you can imagine every time you breathe in or breathe out, that tumour is moving around and, and sometimes quite considerably. So if we're able to kind of use the MR 
to determine where the tumour is at any one time, we're able to just be much more precise. Um, and sometimes with, with radiotherapy, when you look at the biology of what's happening inside our bodies, we cause a lot of inflammation. Um, and sometimes, you know, things like fluid build up and stuff like that. Potentially, you, having superior imaging will allow us to determine which bits are tumour and which bits aren't. And that would be amazing because what we're then able to do is just focus on those those cancer cells, just focus on where that tumour is. Um, and that's really important because, again, that's going to allow us to lessen the side effects that our patients are experiencing, lessen the long-term side effects that they may get years down the line, um, and also ensure that, that, you know, we're hopefully eradicating all of those tumour cells so that the, the cancer doesn't come back. So imaging is really important and it's definitely a, a field where we're seeing more investment. Absolutely. Um, I think one thing to point out while the MRNAC is amazing, some of these treatments can take a bit longer. And that's one caveat, I suppose, even with things like surface guided radiotherapy, they can take a bit longer than the conventional treatments. But it's, you know, it's not for trying to make you stay there for longer in the room. It's to make sure that we're more accurate. And actually, exactly as Joe said, the imaging side of things we are. I was going to say, Norman, you mentioned surface guided radiotherapy. So do you want to explain what surface guided radiotherapy is? So trying to move away from using permanent or semi-permanent tattoo dots for positioning. So quite a few patients will have maybe three uh, semi-permanent dots somewhere on their body, which we as radiographers use in the room to set people up for their treatment. Surface guided radiotherapy uses uh, infrared cameras to map the surface of the body uh, in real time so that we can set people up without having to give them tattoos effectively so better for dignity patient experience uh, but actually again it, it will help with accuracy something i always found when i was treating patients um on a, on a linear accelerator was that although we might have set somebody up once we leave the room people do tend to relax a bit more because you haven't got two radiographers looking over you while you're half naked and sometimes there can be sort of millimeter changes but that can be accounted for a lot better with surface guided radiotherapy um, obviously we work to millimeter accuracy anyway so we are very good at what we do but it just gives us that little bit more of an edge and making sure we can make millimeter changes from outside the room there's also looking into more futuristic style treatments of having open face head and neck masks so patients don't necessarily need a head and neck mask uh, which is better for people who might be struggling with anxiety or problems and things like that as well yeah Absolutely. And we did do um, a great series on Instagram uh, on surface guided radiotherapy with VisionRT. And again, that might be something that you want to check out if you want to learn more about surface guided radiotherapy um, or check out the VisionRT uh, website. Joe, you talked about trying to avoid having cancer come back or spreading. I think two terms that come up quite often interchangeably. And I think um, patients can find them quite triggering but it's always good to explain what they mean so what is a uh, metastases and what are oli oligometastases yeah. um, so essentially um, metastases is where cells 
break off from where they originated and they travel through the body and they can travel via lots of different ways exactly like I always use the analogy of kind of going down a motorway there's slip roads you know there's there's country roads there's the a1 roads you know there's there's lots of ways in which you can get to a destination and that's very similar for these cancer cells so once a cancer cell breaks off it might enter the bloodstream or the lymphatic system or it may break through to other areas um, of the body that just align right next to that tumor and then can migrate anywhere within the body um, and that's that's the potential of any cancer cell um, our bodies are amazing so I think for anyone to kind of not be necessarily triggered by what I'm saying I think it is important to to realize that our body is amazing at noticing these cells our own immune system is designed to pick up these cells and attack them and make sure that that they don't lodge somewhere and then start to develop um, so you know for the environment to be right for a cancer cell to start to grow is actually you know when you look at some of the microbiology around metastatic disease it is absolutely fascinating um, but it is just to remind people that it isn't easy it isn't just a case of a cell breaks off and then travels uh, around the body you know there's so many things that need to be right for that to happen uh, within our bodies if it does happen um, so for an example for breast cancer you may have um, a cell that breaks off from the primary breast tumor and then may travel within the within um, say the lymphatic system and might lodge somewhere else um, you know the axillary lymph nodes in the armpit you might have the internal mammary chain down the center of the chest um, and potentially you know once it lodges in those areas it could then start to grow into another tumor and and we would class those kind of distant spreads um, as metastatic disease so breast cancer typically will spread to the bone um, and to the brain um, and that is kind of our roots of spread so sometimes for cancers um, we might actually do diagnostic tests on areas of the body that we know cancer cells typically spread to now i think the term oligo um, metastatic disease has come around much more now and is much more um, utilized within oncology because you know we classify metastatic disease as lowering survival rates um, and that's commonly the case however for some people with certain metastatic cancers long-term survival is possible and it's it's very tailored to an appropriate treatment plan um, and when we refer to oligometastatic cancer this is a more treatable type of limited metastatic cancer um, and we sometimes will actually use radiotherapy to treat that oligometastatic disease very precisely um, where we know that it's not maybe spread to lots of areas or quite extensively um, and we're able to target those tumours and, and affect prognosis more favourably um, but it is very hard and I know patients really struggle with any primary diagnosis once you've gone through treatment that is always the fear always the fear um, and 
you know that's why we always look for reoccurrence we always keep monitoring our patients that's why i go for monthly blood tests you know it's so important that that we do kind of consider metastatic disease of oncology patients but without necessarily it taking over your life and affecting your mental health and and inevitably your ability to to live following a cancer diagnosis can i ask you a question on that joe yeah i know um you had your treatment and you've had your follow-ups and things are okay but the terminology that was used to explain cancer to you or your treatment to you how did you find it because i know we've obviously spoken to quite a few patients on the on in episodes or in social media and they say that actually lots of people use just difficult terminology like oh it won't come back but that's not giving them exact data as to if the treat if it's gonna if the treatment's gonna work or if the cancer's gonna come back they just say oh don't worry about it it's quite dismissive I'm just wondering what your experience was like yeah I think my um oncologist was amazing and actually I'd worked with I'd worked with my oncologist um as well um early on in my career so we did know each other um but I think they've always been really honest um I didn't necessarily with my cancer I had thyroid cancer so um you know the risk of it coming back is higher because of the type of, of cancer I had but I love the fact that I'm monitored um you know I I do like that and I definitely understand why patients who go years without a scan or any intervention after that five ten year point I I totally get it I absolutely know what that must feel like when you think actually no one's no one's checking me anymore and it's just for me to know my body and know if something's different um so I think it's always reassuring for me at the moment that I'm having having ongoing investigations and support but I I do think maybe later down the line it will be one of those things where I'm constantly checking myself and I'm bad like I am bad I actively find myself not checking my neck um and that's a fear thing because I'm like I don't want to be that patient that's constantly so I'm relying on my blood tests rather than myself which is awful and I can't believe I've said that in a podcast episode but yeah and I even after my surgery actually um I hated looking at my scar and I didn't I didn't I didn't necessarily kind of get to know my neck after surgery um, so it's definitely something I need to, to go into. <laughs> I need to reassess my neck and my lymph nodes and know what is my normal. So yeah, I preach to everyone and I'm not doing it myself. So I feel awful. I've just said that now. I promise I will. <laughs> I think it's hard. I think lots of people resonate with that. That If they've had a major surgery or chemotherapy, radiotherapy, whatever they've had, they'll struggle with body confidence in different ways. And like the I think in on treatment review clinics where I've seen patients who've had quite large scars still on their body and they're still healing they struggle to look at it I think out of fear as you said and that's normal but also you know something quite drastic has happened to you and that's that's a site of trauma in 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 a different way really isn't it physically and emotionally and mentally but I think yeah being honest with yourself knowing that you're not doing it enough at least you know now now everyone who's listening to this can hold you accountable as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm going to check myself. Maybe not tonight, 
but yes, I will, definitely. I checked my breasts and everywhere else, just not where I had cancer. How weird's that? <laughs> well, there you go. At least you know what you need to do for homework. <laughs> anyway, we digress. So are there any other terminologies, Numen, that you think our audience would ben- benefit from knowing? Um, I think kind of looking at the positioning side so whenever I was treating patients lots of people would ask why do you keep saying soup what does that mean um it's not chicken or tomato to... chicken or tomato <laughs> yeah, I've had I've had patients say that as well um so we obviously talk to each other so in ridge therapy if we're treating a patient we we work in pairs normally so Joe and I we might be working together treating a patient and using those tattoos or even if it's for surf using surface guided technology we still have to set people up in the right position because we know that when we have given that person a scan two or three weeks before that's the same position we want them to be in so that we can make sure their treatment's very accurate so yeah we use things like uh ant soup post whatever but that's anterior posterior so um they come from Latin terms, isn't is that right, Joe? Latin terminology. It <laughs> I'm is. Trying to remember lots, all my uni work. Of, yeah, lots of Latin, Latin names that we then recreate. I always like that though, um, because why? Why do we need need to know the origin of words? We do that all the time. I do it in all my lectures. I'm like, and this comes from so and so, and I'm thinking, why? Why do I do that? Because nobody learns Latin these days no we don't (laughs) but everything in medical world comes from latin or greek mythology or whatever so but yeah so removing a patient anteriorly removing uh yeah towards the front or moving up up i feel the pressure (laughs) (laughs) yeah you've confused me (laughs) i mean if you're looking at the, the treatment couch, if you're moving it anteriorly or posteriorly, that'll be up or down. If it's superior or inferior, superiorly would mean going to the top of someone's body. Inferiorly would mean going towards the bottom of someone's body. Unless you have patients who are lying on their tummies or this is what our students always get caught out in, in yeah, our let's, simulation. Let's stick, let's stick to the basics. Let's not confuse people. <laughs> So that took me a while to get my head around once I qualified. I think so, yeah. I think the biggest thing for patients to be aware is when we're kind of talking at the side of them, we aren't talking about chicken or tomato soup. Uh, we're basically communicating with each other to allow us to know where we're moving to and from. Because we can't see both sides of a patient, we have to rely on each other. And that is, I think, one of the beauties of working as a therapeutic radiographer is you have to work with someone really closely and when you've been working with someone for a week on a treatment machine it's 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 amazing like just the telepathic you, the, you know the eyes across a patient you know where you need to move or you know have you moved too much it's it's pretty special that kind of therapeutic radiographer relationship when you when you're working with someone really closely um but from a patient's perspective all we're doing is getting you in the right position and we're trying to do it as quickly as we possibly can do so i do know some radiographers who um you know could set up on their own and run around the couch every single second but it's far easier when you're working in pairs um, and you're able to just do those little movements 
and then just adjust the couch um, accordingly so that we're treating just where we need to. And that's where our laser lights come in as well. So a lot of patients say that to us, don't they? Why are you shining lights on me? Um, and that's just basically aligning with your tattoos so that you're in exactly the same position. And then once we've got you in that exact same position, then what we'll do is move you to where we want to position the radiation beams to make sure that we're targeting the cancer cells or where the cancer cells were and then limiting that, that normal tissue as much as possible. It's funny you mentioned the lasers. There was a patient, I think, a while ago who reached out or well, someone who'd been through treatment on social media to us and said, well, when they had treatment, the, the laser lights turned off. Does that mean that the treatment wasn't accurate? The lasers, they're just lights. They're calibrated to the machine. If they turn off, that's because it's a time like trying to save the bulb sort of thing so it doesn't really matter but to a patient that could feel like we're not being as accurate but yeah the machine is calibrated in a certain way if there's even one parameter out of tolerance it will not let us turn the radiation beam on uh, and physics will check the lasers every now and then the physics department and I remember being um, politely reminded not to clean the lasers too vigorously of anything because if I send them out of alignment that's going to put the machine out of use. So I learned that very quickly. Yeah, it's like a student guide, isn't it? All the things you shouldn't touch when you're in a radiotherapy room. The emergency stop, unless it's an emergency, because it powers down the whole machine, um, and definitely the lasers, and also the head of the machine. So do not clean the head of the machine, um, unless you really need to, um, because there's lots... There's lots going on there that you do not need to touch. And if you do, potentially you're going to have that machine closed for a day, at least, to be repaired. So, yeah, lots of checks that go on with our equipment. What would you say as a top tip to patients listening around radiotherapy terminology? I think ask. So if, if you're in the room and someone says something and you don't know, or actually you're having a conversation with your oncologist or your therapeutic radiographer review team and they say something to you and you think they've used that terminology or that abbreviation and I don't understand what it means then absolutely just ask the question it can be really intimidating to do it but I think it's really important and actually it helps us because we get so used to using our abbreviations and the language that we use sometimes we don't even consciously realize that we're doing it so for a patient to say i don't understand what you're saying or what do you mean it allows us to go i need to stop saying that i need to start saying the full the full technique that i'm using rather than vmat or imrt and for a lot of patients they don't necessarily want to know or need to know what kind of technique they're having but i also know lots of patients who do benefit from knowing every single detail um, and knowing how their radiotherapy treatment plan is is created and, and we obviously are big advocates for patients actually seeing their radiotherapy treatment plan um, so I know you used to do it in clinic a lot didn't you Numb and bringing up the plan and showing patients where the radiation was actually going through because I think later on in life when you get aches or you get some stiffness or you get kind of a, a little dodgy freckle that you think oh is that a bit dodgy you can you can in your head think well actually was i given radiotherapy to that area could that potentially be a reason for 
for some of the side effects that I'm experiencing 20, 30 years later. Um, so I think it is really important that patients kind of advocate for themselves, but don't be put off to ask the question of what is that? Why do you do that? How do you do that? Um, because we teach them a lot <laughs> and they know all this stuff and they need to be reminded of all of the underpinning theory. <laughs> Especially as Joe has trained pretty much every single therapeutic radiographer in the UK. I have You've been listening to the last quite a few. I think Sam, who came on, of course he was trained by you. Just every time I meet anyone at a conference, oh yeah, you work with Joe, yeah, she trained me. I think the only top tip I would add to yours, Joe, would just be that um, we're not too busy. Like, yes, we are very efficient at getting patients through radiotherapy when we can that's because we're good at our jobs and we know how long a treatment takes so delivering radiation might only be a few minutes but if you've got questions just ask us and there's there are people and as joe said find your your local student radiographer go and quiz them on things help them learn and um yeah help them be a better qualified radiographer when they do finish university absolutely Oh, I've really enjoyed this episode. It's nice to talk about radiotherapy. We don't often get to talk much, do we, in our episodes? <laughs> no, not really. Um, but yeah, hopefully we've kind of covered a few of the the areas that people reach out about or ask questions about. Because um, yeah, we use a lot of different acronyms and ways to describe things like soup. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, thank you all for listening. And if you did have any further questions... Um, as a result of listening to this episode please do reach out our email is in our link tree um, or you can just go via any of the social media channels um, and send us a dm but we're more than happy to answer any questions or if you are working in radiotherapy and you feel that patients need to know x y or z that we've maybe not covered then absolutely get in touch and there's things that potentially we might be able to cover via social media or indeed another future podcast episode so thank you all for listening to Rad Chat. Your hosts today have been Naman Jorka Hansen and Joe McNamara. If you're utilising this podcast for CBD purposes, consider the reflective questions posted along with links to resources and literature that we've discussed. To receive your accredited CBD certificate, please complete the Google form linked with the podcast. So our next guests to feature will be Chloe and Emily from the Clatterbridge Cancer Centre who will be talking about all things occupational therapy. Thank you all for listening and take care.